trading at episode 145. Let's say if you trade the euro in the Asian session, you put on, let's say, 200 lots, you probably move it by uh, five to seven pips. If you trade in the Asian session, like right now, like the lower liquidity, but if you trade during the London or New York session, three pips max for euro. For the euro US, the most traded pair on the planet. The market's going to do something. Your job is not to fight it. The market never, ever runs away. It's always there. That personal diary of trading will make you a much better trader than... I could be right about the direction, but wrong about the trade. Don't focus on the monetary side. Trying to make too much money on a trade is what I have seen killed every trader. Your losses offer you some of the greatest insight you can find into your mistakes. Relax. Learn the process. Candlestick pattern trading is a freaking trap. Don't be in a rush to become a millionaire. Let the market tell you what the market wants to tell you. This podcast is not financial trading or investing advice of any kind. What's up traders? Welcome to another installment of the Trading Up podcast. I'm your host Cam Hawkins and today we've got Lawrence Yang on the show. Now Lawrence is a young trader from Adelaide in Australia and he's done something quite different from any of my other guests. In fact any other trader I know. This guy has done something to to get him to the point of managing millions, it's verified. I've seen the verification. Uh, guys, this is an episode that you're going to probably think at the start, uh, I don't know if it's for me, but trust me, by the time you get to the end, you're going to be going, wow, this is pretty cool. So guys, um, not only that, we did shoot a video after the show, which is over there on the YouTube channel. So if you do trade a JPY pair, any JPY pair, this is going to be very useful for you going forward in the coming months. So stay tuned for that or head over to the YouTube channel and check that out after listening to the show here. Now, uh, do remember things coming up here. We've got the Genius Trader. Uh, I've still got my uh, Freak Bot available this October 2021. If you do want to get access to that, you can go and check out the live results over there on tradingnut.com under the Robots tab. Or you can check out my Robot Builders Club free training, which will teach you exactly what I'm doing over there in the Robot Builders Club, which is teaching you guys how to automate some or all of what you do with your trading using a tool called FX Dreamer. All right, folks, that's enough from me. Let's get on with today's show. Hey, folks, my sponsors, City Traders Imperium, have just launched some amazing changes to their funded trader program. You've got to check out. You can now skip the whole evaluation, trade gold as well as Forex, plus they've increased the drawdown you're allowed in both the evaluation and when funded. With CTI, it's even faster and easier to reach up to $4 million in funding with a 50 to 70% profit share. Click the link in the description to find out what else has changed. All right, folks, here we are on Trading Up. We've got Lawrence Yang here in the house all the way over there, and well, not all the way over there, it's quite close to me, in Adelaide, Australia, from Lawrence Holdings Group. Uh... Welcome to the show, Lawrence. How are things? Oh, very good. Thank you, Cam, for having me on the show. Well, look, today we're going to get to hear your story from how you started off as a retail trader and managed to progress your way up to trading millions uh, for Lawrence Holdings, which is your own company, over there in Adelaide, which is you know not the financial mecca of the world, I'm, I'm assuming. Um, so let's start off with how you got into this game. So I first started, you know, I got... Um, became interested in trading in 2007 at the age of 12. I, you know, I witnessed my mother. She's a doctor. I only traded stocks as a side hobby, quadrupled her portfolio in just over a year. And then that served as my earning inspiration. So I became extremely interested in the stock market and at the age of 12. And I started educating and learning about the financial markets. And ever since then, and my starting point as a trader 
was, uh, you know, pretty bad. Like, you know, it's like the reminiscences of a thousand traders. Um, I started as a retail trader and I, in 2012, I started demo trading, paper trading with fake money with 100K in the account. And I tripled the account trading oil because I was, you know, in, in a few days. And I thought I was a master of the universe. With that mindset, I borrowed 20K of real money from my mom and then only to lose 15K or three quarters of that money in four days because, you know, um, demo trading, when, uh, when it was demo trading, it was just a number and it was fake money. You had no emotion, but when you trade real money, your emotions kicking and then I prematurely close all the position. Plus I was running my account with like 30 times leverage. So every single tick literally hurting my stomach. <laughs> so um, the, the good thing though, is like, you know, I didn't give up. And then with uh, two years later in 2014, with the help of, um, you know, my god sister was working for the UBS trading desk in Hong Kong. I, and, you know, a very generous home from my mom. I formed my uh, advisory board and um, I learned how to do proper risk management and position sizing, et cetera, et cetera. The, basically the trading one, profitable trading one one and um, became a profitable trader ever since. Cool. Well, let's let's dive into that story a bit. So, first of all, what on earth do you do as a twelve to sort of fifteen year old or eighteen year old in terms of educating yourself on the stock market and, and trading? Oh, I I would say um, playing with like uh, virtual fake money is the is the best way to get started. Like you know, uh, back then we had a uh, delayed data. It's not as advanced as uh, as today. So I was trading stocks with uh, with delayed data. And uh, just to try, 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 try to get a feel of the market. So a bit like a computer game for a kid, like you, you, you just putting the data in there and going, well, if I did this, what would happen? That's correct. That's ah, correct. Right. right. <laughs> and then, and then, so when you got that loan from your mum, mm-hmm. what, why did you decide to trade oil out of everything you could potentially trade? Um, because I had the best experience, as you know, as I said, you know, in, in when I was seventeen years old in high school, and in twenty twelve, and I. A triple the account in a few days, you know, with the, with the virtual fake money. And um, I believe back then oil was in a major bull market. And then I was longing oil with uh, 50 or 100 times leverage in the virtual account. I think, yeah, my exposure was $10 million worth of oil. And uh, oil just went up. And I tripled the account. So uh, I had a very good, uh, what should I say, experience. And so, so oil was like, uh, because it was in a bull run, that mm-hmm. was where you were like, okay, well, I know how to trade bull runs, or yeah, well, I was trying to inter- interested to find out why it was oil. Was it just because it was in a bull run, or was it? There... Yeah, it was volatile, so ah, you can see right. the movements, a lot of movements, and it was more exciting, you know, especially for, I say, a kid. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and uh, and so you stopped at five k in that account, like you lost fifteen. What what made you stop to the point you didn't blow it? Um, let's just say I actually started trading. Uh, so the, when I put on the first position uh, for the 20K, I actually started losing two or three grand. And then I just, you know, like most retail traders, when you lose money, you, you add more to your bets. And then you start, um, what should I say, try, uh, revenge trading and try to make the money back. And then it only got worse. And I was like, uh, when I lost 75% of the account, I was like, that's it. Give up. Trading is not for me. Right. And so so going back for like that transition from, uh, I mean, you're sort of 
I suppose struggling to getting profitable. I mean, what what on earth did you do during that during that point uh, during that sort of uh, phase there? I mean, did you go out and get education, or how did you how did you do it? I actually came across, uh, I actually came across the, the you know the Market Wizards book by Jack D. Schwager. Basically, he interviewed a hundred different um, hedge fund managers, very successful traders in America, and um, what I realized is like eighty percent of them put risk management as a number one rule when trading. So I was like, okay, that's the name of the game. To become a profitable trader, you have to know risk management before anything else. So for that two years, I was just basically, you know, um, I listened to the audio book many, many times. I read the book. So basically the, 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 the market research book. And in 2014, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready to try again for two years. And so, so risk management, number one, but there's obviously a few more pillars to that. I mean, when you got on, when you went onto a, onto a chart or whatever to, to place trades, I mean, what were you doing to, to get yourself a trade? You know, was it some was it all focused around risk management, or was there some other techniques that you were using? Um, I believe risk to reward ratio is absolutely the, the the holy grail of trading. When you have a one to two risk reward ratio minimum, you only have to win fifty percent of the time, and then you, you can still be profitable. So accuracy, trading signal, you know those providers. I believe accuracy is overrated because I keep saying this: you can win ninety percent of the time, but the ten percent blow your account doesn't say much. Whereas risk to what ratio, you know, is I believe is a holy grail. And so, so in terms of the risk to reward that you were looking at at that mm-hmm. point in time, what, what, I mean, what were you looking at? One what, to two, one to two, one to two. Yeah. Okay. Minimum. And so, and so, what, what were you doing on the chart? You've got risk to reward. You've got, you know, you're managing mm-hmm. your risk on mm-hmm. those positions. Mm-hmm. How were you getting into positions, and and what instruments did you decide to trade out of the gate? Um, let's say very back then, I, I really liked the, when I first got into trading, I really liked the 50, 100, and 200 day moving averages. And also I like absolutely, I think a uh, long-term trend line, very important. They barely, barely, barely lie. And you know, the breakouts are much more likely to, to, to be a, a, a start of a trade or continuation of a, a, of a trend, sorry. And, um, a 14 day RSI. I also look at them. Okay, so so it was very much sort of like trend lines, MAs, RSI, mm-hmm. and putting a system together around that to get you into a trade. And what instruments were you trading at that time? Back then, I started trading the dollar yen and DAX uh, indices. So I started getting you trading indices, which you know the stock market, which has become my main business right now. And so, so how did you find the two? Because dollar yen and DAX, they're quite mm-hmm. different markets. How did you navigate them? Um, as I said, you know, um, you need a very uh, good advisory board and a, a, a big team to, to, to look for opportunities for you because I'm a big believer in diversification. If you keep trading one instrument, like, you know, I met some people that I only trade the ES, the immediate S&P 500 futures. But when the ES, when the S&P goes sideways, they start to get bored and start putting out trades, stupid trades, and those trades can blow your profit opens to blow your account, but the profit can take away a lot of profit. Like right now, like you know, it's impossible to trade the the the, the indices. It, you cannot chase more upside, and you cannot, you know, um, uh, stop shorting. I mean, um, because the trend is still very strongly up. So that's my um, belief. 
And um, also, like, you know, when you have a team of advisors and analysts, um, the, you know, you have one advisor for Forex, one for indices, one for stocks, and then you are truly diversified. And that's the essence of uh, um, running a fund and, of course, trading as well. And so, so when you talk about advisory boards, so most of my listeners out there are not going to have an advisory board. So to start off with, how did you get an advisory board? And did you get an advisory board before you started finding success? Um, let's say no. <laughs> so no, no, I, no to which, <laughs> no to which question. Well, I couldn't do it. My, uh, I couldn't do it by myself. Let's just say, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, you, so you went out and got an advisory board, and mm-hmm. how did you get an advisory board? I mean, surely that costs a fortune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, what I mentioned. You know, I got a business loan from my mom because um, the best way you can move, personally, I believe, at least from my experience, the best way you can move from a retail trader to a profitable professional trader, even money manager, is to learn from people who are actually doing it, not just talking about it. So because advisory board, they trade, they run a fund themselves, and they've been in the advisory business, they advise you know, um, family offices and other hedge funds as well, and they run a private investment fund themselves. So you have to learn from people who are actually doing it, not just talking about it. There are so many people on the, you know, on the internet, they talk about trading but in fact they don't trade themselves or they're unprofitable so so this so this advisory board so mm. they were they're solely working for you or are they like sort of outsourcing themselves to it's outsourcing okay right yeah. right so so they, they, they advise 50 other hedge funds and family offices okay right so yeah. so it's so it's a it's a you're basically paid for some guys who know what they're doing to to Give you advice, and are they are they placing trades on your behalf, or are they just like no, no, no? They don't even give you signal. They give you the reports, like right. what they view the market, and then you make the final trading decision. Ah, okay, right. So, how yeah. on earth do you yeah. sort of decipher a report from which is you know, I, I'm supposed at that at the early age of like was it 2007? You were 12. 2015, you were um at 19? 10 plus two. Yeah, 19. <laughs> how do you? How on earth do you decipher? Uh, a report from a, a you know these guys who are talking high level financial advice advice I suppose. I think being passionate about trading is the key. A lot of people get into trading for the wrong reason. If you look at some of the most successful traders in the world, they have the mindset, in, you know, um, including Paul Tudor Jones, is that if I don't get paid trading, I will still trade. That's the only thing I'm interested. In. So a lot of people get into trading because they heard okay. My mom, my mom's friend, my auntie, you know, made 100K on the stock market. I want to get into it. I want to make a quick buck. A lot of people, unfortunately, especially in the retail space, a lot of people are going to need trading for this reason. And I'm not saying it's not going to work, but it's less likely to succeed. As cliche as it sounds, you're going to love what you do. So how do you, how do you do it? How do you do it? How, so how would somebody listening to the show get one of these reports from an advisory board mm-hmm. and go, like, from a Forex point of view, Here's mm-hmm. the information you're giving me, which is all going to be like, by the time they write it, it's, they're either predicting into the future saying, well, here's what we look, we exactly. think is going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, you then have to time it right to get to the point where that event is going to happen unless they give you a date mm-hmm. or a time that's going to happen. How, yeah. do you, how on earth do you take that information and then turn it into a profitable trade? That all comes down to your own trading system because you know the critical components of a um, profitable trading system is like you, know, you, you need to have um, risk reward, which means you need to 
have a system that gives you one to two risk reward ratio. Let's say, okay, I'm going to buy Apple at 100, stop loss 90. I'm not going to get out. At least Apple hits 120 per share. So that's risk reward. And then you, you, you got to figure out your own system about, you know, exit. Always, always, always have a stop loss. That's the number one thing I learned from, a, um, uh, from a, you know, as being a retail trader. Always, always cover your ass and have a stop loss. And always know when you're getting out as well. Don't get too greedy. Okay, so so, can you give us an example of like the information you're getting from this, these advisors, and then how you'd apply that to getting into a trade? Sure. Um, basically, the report I get a report every single day, twice or three times: London, Hong Kong, and Europe. Three major market updates. So what happened is um, um, we have four-hour charts and daily charts. That's my favorite. That's my focus. I don't trade fifteen minutes. I don't trade one hour. We look at four-hour. Um, we look for confluences between the four-hour daily and weekly, like you know, the chart and then the the the, the, the trend lines and uh, the Fibonacci. We use a lot of Fibonacci ratios, of course. You know, um, without giving up too much of our trade secrets, <laughs> the, 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 these are some of the basic things we we, we we use. Okay, so and then and what I'm trying to get at is what are these guys telling you that's giving you an edge over and above what you're doing with the technicals. Uh, is, it, is it mainly like, here's the direction that London should head in, here's the direction that New York should head in across this market? I'm trying <laughs> to get, I'm trying to really sort of see, understand. Right, right, sure, sure. So what happens, uh, what it gave me is uh, the direction of the market, like the, 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 the trend, the main trend on the four hour and daily and weekly, and you look for confluences. And okay, right. If, so if you're if it's bullish trend, you go long. If it's bearish trend, you go short. Of course. Okay. On the right side of the market is the most important thing. So the reports are essentially giving you like the direction, and yeah. then you're going. Well, now I've got the direction. Now I just need to find confluences to get me in with a risk yeah. to reward that's two to one at least. And maybe, that's maybe more. Let, let's say if they say it's bullish, and then we just start looking at buying pullbacks, and I start drawing Fibonacci ratios. Let's say 23.6 and 38.2 between them. And I'm getting at 23.6 and getting at 38.2, just as example, or sometimes 618. And then um, I measure, you know, the, the, the area of the Fibonacci between 23.6 to 38.2. Let's say it's 100 pips. And then I measure the uh, external retracement. Let's say the 1.618 or 1, 1.236 external retracement for take profit. I measure it, see if it's bigger than the stop loss, like twice as big at least. Yeah. So uh, that's. <laughs> and if it is, then you then you take the trade. If it's not, you don't. I, I, yeah, I get, it. I get it. It makes sense. It makes sense. Okay, cool. So, um, I suppose back in the day, like, how much? Well, first of all, why did you decide to get an advisory board? Was there something that drove you that direction, or versus all the other routes you could take? Um, I believe I tried so many times, I wasn't profitable. So I believe to learn from the best. To, to be profitable, you've got to learn from the best. So, and I want to get into the detail here. So if you mm-hmm. do a Google search, right, mm-hmm. you're not going to find the probably the advisory board that you've mm-hmm. selected. How on earth do you find somebody like that? And when you say, I want to learn from the best, I'm like, trust me, everyone mm-hmm. out there is saying mm-hmm. what they want to learn from the best. Yeah. And they, they, say, they end say. up with like, you know, yeah a handful of people that may, mm-hmm. may or may not be the best. But they don't know. They don't know they're the best. So how did you find the be- How did you find what you thought was the best at the time? 
So this might not be applicable to uh, you know every single trader out there or let's say your audience out there. But uh, how I started was like you know my uh, as I mentioned my god sister was really working for the uh, UBS trading desk. So the ex UBS traders uh... apparently that's not the best. But that's not applicable to every single one or relatable I should say. But what you can do is I know a few hedge funds, actual hedge funds that have career training program. You you, you want to actually go to a hedge fund and look at the career training website, if you know what I mean, and then look at the auditor's report with the verified track record. And that's the best. Everyone is the best, yes. But seeing is believing in the trading game. And a brokerage statement doesn't do any job. It could be demo account. I can pull up a demo account with a 500% return in a year. It doesn't say much. You want to see the track record being verified by an independent CPA as well as auditor. And then you can believe, okay, this guy's legit. And then you can start, let's say, um, you know, learning from someone who's actually, actually, actually running a hedge fund or manage money for, for, for clients. Mm. So do your DD, do diligence. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, guys, like, just so you know, and we're fully transparent here. So Lawrence has sent me his audited, you know, report, with all the, for the past year, so we we've got that all like that. That's why he's on the show. Um, so he's done what he's just said. So he's not just saying that, but he has actually done that with me. Uh, so so that's really interesting that you've taken that route. And I suppose with your sister sister in law or sister yeah, sister uh, god sister sorry. god sorry god sister yeah. working for UBS on the trading desk. It is going to help because that's going to give mm-hmm. you like a lot of lot of um, access access that most people are not going to have. But I, I like that. I do like it. Go go to a hedge fund and mm-hmm. get there, get trained by them if you're looking for the best. Mm-hmm. It makes complete sense. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many years I've been here doing this, but I've never stumbled across that as a, as a solution. So but that's people a, don't think about it. Like a lot yeah. of traders don't think about it. And what I've realized, you know, from our HR department is I read a lot of resumes applying for jobs and Lawrence Holdings. A lot of retail traders are amazing. Like they have, they, they beat my track record any day. Let's just say return-wise, even risk-just return. Unfortunately, they only have $10,000, $20,000 accounts. And they're trading. And you know what? I'm a big believer of what Steve Schwartzman said. It's as hard to start around a small business as it is to start a big one. You trade a $10,000 account or you trade a $10 million account, the same effort. Especially when you trade FX, you barely move markets, even with 500 lots. Uh, not much, let's say. Yeah. Um, uh, maybe a few pips. And uh, what, what what I'm trying to say is like you know, um, if you are a good trader, you should actually venture beyond just trading your own account or friends and family's money, and do it through either start your own fund or work for a hedge fund. Mm. It's interesting. Though, that was that was advice that came out from a previous guest who's been on the show ages ago called uh, v- he went by the name of VP, and that was his first lesson was trade with other people's money. And that was it. Like, don't trade with your own money. Trade with other people's money if you're gonna if you're gonna trade. So, I love that. Um, now, talking about so just just to paint a picture for the guys here. So, within the fund that you've you're trading at the moment or you run at the moment, how much trading are you doing versus how much trading are the other traders on your team doing? And how many traders have you got? So, what happens? We I'm the co-chief investment officer. We have two other um, chief investment officers. We have two funds, and the one I'm talking about is a global macro fund that trades forex and indices and commodities, the one I'm trading. And we have two other co-shifting investment officers and, and, and the Chinese, China Opportunities Fund. So what happens is like all of us, we have daily calls 
and together, and I'm the one who push the button and make the, uh, the, the final decision or place the order. Uh-huh. Buy limit, sell limit order. Yeah. And um, I have the intelligence of uh, a lot of people to, to make the decision, but in the end, I'm the one who plays the trade, let's say. And with that, with that sort of, we'll go back into the intelligence that you're you're gaining for these people in a second. Mm-hmm. But when you're pressing that button, I mean, mm-hmm. what things are you bringing to the table to like? Because you've got all these guys who are super knowledgeable. Um, mm-hmm. What intelligence are you bring to the table to go? This is a good call or not? Basically, you know, uh, I'm the one to to decide because we have, um, you know, Gabriel, my business partner. He used he, he worked as a vice president for Credit Suisse private banking in Geneva for between 2007 and 2011. So uh, he's advised by a bunch of elite ex-Credit Suisse traders. So they were certainly that very much fundamentally focused. And then we have the China team, because as you know, China is getting more and more important. Whatever announcements coming out of China is going to influence the global markets much, much more. It's already going to go that way in the future. And so we, we have the intelligence people like actually on the ground in Beijing first-hand intelligence from there and then I combine those two and then I make the most informed decision possible. Right. Okay. And uh, just to put it into perspective, I mean, how many of these trades win? Uh, the, uh, the what, sorry? How many of the trades win that you place? How, like, what's the win rate on these trades? Um, depends. Between 2019 to 2020, I believe was 78%. This year is more like 64 to 68%. Okay. Okay, so it's quite high. It's quite a high win rate with a two to one risk to reward, which yeah. is, you know, which is good, which is solid. Um, and so are they all two to one, or do you sometimes push more or, or go? Less? We've done the biggest trade we've done in December last year. We've done four to one. Forty one, forty one to one. Oh, four, four to one. one. Sorry. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I'll be, be more specific. We actually went long the pound just before Boris said we've struck a deal in December last year, the weekend. So we went long. And on Friday, on Friday night, Australian time, I was half drunk, but I placed this trade with 0.8% of our entire account at 200 pips. I went long at 131 and stop loss at 129. I actually hit up take profit the next week or so at 138. Like, it's close to one to four. Cool. And and did, um, I mean, was that sort of, just on that particular trade, was, was mm-hmm. that based on, like, knowledge that other people just aren't going to get their hands on because you've got this advisory board? No, no, no. So what happened is uh, we actually were, I was convinced from our advisory board um, from the United States that the pound, the cable is bullish and the USD is absolutely, absolutely bearish. It was very clear and the pound was pulling back like crazy, a few hundred pips a week. So I measured the Fibonacci and I entered at um, 50, 50% retracement and then and put a stop loss below the last low, and then they happened to be 200 pips, and then the take profit was like uh, um, 700 pips, I believe. And right. then so it's close to one, two, four, three point five. Just yeah, it was a very, very profitable trade, and that trade actually made my year. <laughs> and, and and so, actually, yeah, good point. How many trades a, uh, a month would you be placing then? Okay, that varies greatly. In December, I was putting on um, two trades a day, and then since June this year, and I placed two or three trades a month because the market has gone sideways, absolutely. And I believe the, right now, as we speak, in late September 2021, we believe the market is just waiting for the Fed to announce tapering and everyone just, you know, sit on the sidelines. 
Ah, okay, 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 yeah. All right. And um so so that that Brexit trade, I had a good question around it, but I've sorry, not Brexit. Was it Brexit or it wasn't Brexit, it was Oh, that was December 2021, uh, 2020, sorry, last year. So it was a Brexit deal after like five years, like four years. All sorts of saga. They finally struck the divorce, you know, with the the EU. And then the the, the pound gapped up on Monday morning, 200 pips. And then I had at the exact low, exact low. It it touched the 50% retracement in December and bounced right away. And and so this that was a question I was going to ask was around how like yourself with a you know fairly sizable investment placing mm-hmm. these trades with like point eight percent of the account. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, first of all, what does that equate to there or thereabouts? I know you, I don't want you to give it away, but in lots when you're placing a, a lot on a forex mm-hmm. trade, mm-hmm. and then do you notice what do you notice from that point of view in the market when you're where are you going in with those sort of sized lots? Do you, um, do you move it at all? Do you? Okay. <laughs> I get asked this question um, a lot. Let's say, first, depends on the instrument you trade. You trade Euro USD, and number two, depend, depends on the, the, the session you trade. Let's say if you trade the Euro in the Asian session, you put on, let's say, 200 lots, you probably move it by uh, five to seven pips. If you trade in the Asian session, like right now, like the lower liquidity but if you trade during the london or new york session three pips max for euro for the euro us is the most traded pair on the planet and the pound i would say um because it got filled on friday night during new york session and it was like a 108 lot position so 18 million pounds that was uh i think we had a five pips speed right okay yeah. so you can so you can place this trade and sort of see see the market slide Five pips. A little bit. A, a little, little bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, or could it be coincidence? Did... It could have been. It could it have been. Could... And yeah. yeah. Because especially for forex, like you know, we have more luck moving more exotic markets. Like the Nor- uh, we trade the Swedish krona, the Norwegian krona, and you know all those Scandinavian currencies. Right. You yeah. tend to move much, much more, or even Singapore dollar. Okay. So how do you how do you factor in like the likes of spread and and slippage? into what you do um let's just say we primarily trade daily and four hour charts and then as i mentioned the typical stop loss is a, a few hundred pips so really five to ten pips doesn't affect the entire let's say risk reward um, yeah. you know um, profile of the trade too much so it's it's not a big concern for us and um um I think a few pips, let's say if your stop loss is 200 pips and your take profit is 400 pips, what does a difference of 10 pips make? Doesn't matter. Yeah. And and what about the start of the day? Like when the day starts and the spreads go crazy, are you, do you, is that something you avoid or would you trade through that and not, not worry too much because the stop loss is so far away? Honestly, we are system system traders. As soon we, we basically mostly place, you know, uh, pending orders. And then if it's filled, doesn't matter what time of the day, if it gets filled, it gets filled. And is it limit orders or stop orders that you're mainly placing? Limit orders. Limit orders. Okay, yeah. cool. Um, right, so let's. We've, we've spent quite a bit of time on this, and it's been fantastic and fascinating stuff. Uh, now, what does your typical day look like, your trading day? Uh, 
So my training day, I actually get up and then before our call, I actually got put on conference call with my business partner Jeff in Beijing, just to inform him, inform him what what happened overnight on Wall Street, and then and how do we plan for the day for the Hong Kong session. And then in the afternoon, I start talking to the ex Credit Suisse traders, you know, spread across Europe, and then get the fundamental, you know, the fundamental research and then factor them in to the technical analysis. And then every single night, which is around 10 p.m. in Australian time and 8 a.m., just one hour before the, 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 the New York session start, I have the uh, daily conference call with my U.S. team. So basically, we combine the, the, the brain of the China team, the European team, and the US team. And, I mean, there's a lot of people, right, involved across the world and guys who are <laughs> pretty skilled. I mean, just, I mean, obviously you're not going to tell us the figures, but, like, from a running of the fund point of view, I mean, mm-hmm. how, how expensive is this? It's, uh, you it, know what, it's manageable. Let's say. Yeah, this what, yeah, I was going to say, is it like, is it crazy, crazy, or is it just like, well, it's, it's not, not ridiculous. As long as you're profitable. Because <laughs> mm. we only charge clients purely based on performance. We don't charge a management fee. Just, you know, um, 15 to 20% of the profit. Yeah. That's it. And I believe that you're within the within your fund, you've got um, guys that train up other guys who want to learn how to trade. Is that right? That's, uh, well, actually, what happened is that one of our directors set up this training organization, Academy, like to like basically, you know, we want to trade and train, sorry, retail traders to become the next generation and, you know, and traders for Lawrence Holdings Group because we're already growing bigger. <laughs> and uh, what happens is, that, you know, talent is everything in this business. Human capital is as important as managing capital. So, um, and as I said again, like, you know, if you, if you go to the hedge fund uh, recruitment agencies, and, you know, you try the first, we're not big enough, quite big enough to, to dig people from Goldman yet. <laughs> but number two, even if you do dig them, like many of them actually cannot beat retail traders. I'll be honest with you. Some of the best resumes, most impressive trading resumes I've seen are from retail traders. There was a guy who reached out to me and, you know, um, to, to, not me, sorry, my uh, HR office in Hong Kong. He sent his resume. He was trading his own account, and uh, he generated thirty-seven point five percent return. With the max drawdown, I believe less than ten percent last year in twenty twenty trading stocks. With the minimum, um, you know, risk reward ratio of one point seven, he's a retail trader. The unfortunate thing is, you know, I couldn't bring him on board because we have a set guideline to bring traders on board. Because as soon as uh, you become a founded trader, you'll be allocated with one to one point five million euros of our flagship fund, if you know what I mean. Mm. And then, so we need to see verified track record before we can bring anyone on board to address this issue. But, you know, there's a disconnection. Most retail traders cannot build their, so it's a chicken and egg uh, situation. Most, they cannot build a track record without being allocated with capital. But they cannot be allocated with capital without building a track record first. To address this issue, um, our, you know, um, director, Sean, and started a training organization called Hedge Fund Secrets Uncensored, which I will be personally teaching there twice a week. Right. And to, you know, with the unselfish side, I really like to train the, personally train the next generation of traders uh, for Lawrence Holdings. And on the not-so-selfish side, I believe 
you know, it's time to share knowledge as a as someone who's actually running a hedge fund, who is actually a profitable trader, and to 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 you know retail traders who are interested in your career in hedge funds. And that's exactly what I wish I had when I was starting up a hedge fund manager who can teach me. And that's why I joined this organization. I took the commitment. It's interesting. I'll tell you something. I bet you there'll be people out there watching this and going, well, he's not a real trader because he's got this advisory board who give him all this information. And the, the reality is, right, it depends on where you get your information from, right? You've obviously decided to go to advisors from around the world who are giving you um, high-level, you know, very expensive to acquire information. Some people might get a Reuters feed. Some people might, you know, subscribe to CNBC. Um, mm-hmm. Other people might use Forex Factory for get mm-hmm. the information for free. Mm-hmm. And then they implement their system on top of it to then take the trade. So it's the same thing, but you've just gone – it's almost like the the magic of thinking big. If you've ever read that book, it's um it's if you think big enough, then you're going to end up where you are. Versus if you and you know you're not going to be the retail traders uh, trading their own account. You'll be going to a hedge fund and saying, "Give me some money to to trade because I know how to do it," and mm-hmm. you'll be making more money than what you would on your own account. Mm-hmm. So that's a lesson out there, or something to think about, guys. For all those people who are out there thinking, "Well, this guy's just getting his information from somebody else." No, well. Is he really? Or has he just thought big enough to get it from the best? Something to think about. So um, where were we at with the, uh, what was I asking? Oh, it was, it was about your day, right? Your your, your mm-hmm. typical day. Mm-hmm. So, and you went on to the retail trader. I had a question around that, which was uh, around, oh, what was it? Why don't we just start off with like, if you if you had to sort of, if you were talking to a retail trader now and giving them some advice, I mean, what would that advice be for them to get to the point of, first of all, becoming – oh, no, sorry. I, I, I want to ask – sorry sorry for this long-winded question, but I want to ask, what, is, what would you – would you recommend somebody gets good at trading and then approaches a fund, or would you say just have a knowledge of the markets, then approach a fund, and they'll train you up, or would you say um, – come into the funds if you're interested in trading come in and fill your boots and see if you can make it or not know the basics about trading first let's say and you know then you 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 go to a hedge fund and training program and then you know just to fine-tune your your existing let's say trading you don't have to to be profitable but you have to understand the basic things about trading you know the 50 100 200 dmas like you know, the, the, the things I mentioned, 14-day RSI, you know, over 70 is like overbought, oversold condition, like basic things of Fibonacci retracement, just basic trading 101, if you know what I mean. And then get your, let's say, your fine-tune your, your, your trading with a, with a, with a um, fund or more, let's say, um, uh, what, what should I say, more established, um, you know, um, what should I say, trading training, let's say. Mm. Now, thinking about back to when you started, other than the fact that you had this uh, god sister who just happened to be working for you know a humongous trading desk at a major institution, what things do you think, from a traits point of view, characteristics point of view, made you different from other guys out there that are like you know going into this trading world? Um, because of my early experience of losing three quarters of the money, and. Um... I think risk management has always been at the core of what I do. So take care of the downside and the upside will take care of itself. That's um, 
by number one by for, 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 for trading. Cool. And and from a what about from a mindset point of view? So that obviously influenced your mindset. Do you have any sort of tips, techniques, or like stuff that you'll probably share when you start training up these traders um, as part of that uh, hedge fund secrets thing? Is there anything that you can share with us today, like from a mindset point of view, that might help somebody out who potentially has blown three quarters of an account and mm. like then they've done it again and repeated it a number of times and can't seem to get out of that mindset? Um, let's just say um, the best analogy I can use for risk management is like if you take $10,000 to Las Vegas to the casino, you're not going to bet all your $10,000 on one game, are you? Unless you're crazy. But anyway, um, you what you do is like, you know, you bet $100 on this game, $100 on that game, and then you spread and don't put all your, all your eggs in one basket. So I hate, honestly, compare trade, comparing trading to gambling, but this is the best analogy you can find because most people get scared when the position goes against them because they don't know where they're getting out and they don't calculate the position size, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And yeah. then if you don't know how much you're going to lose, potentially you can potentially blow your account and that's when emotions really kick in. But if you have a predetermined stop loss and you know you calculate your position size carefully to max, max, maximum 2% of your account. My suggestion 0.5 to 1%, but maximum 2%. Most gurus will tell you that. And then you know exactly how much you're losing, then you know you, you're fine. And so on that percentage of the account, I mean, with mm-hmm. somebody who's placing sometimes two trades a day on a fairly large account mm-hmm. across multiple instruments, how mm-hmm. do you divvy up how much you're going to place per trade from a risk point of view? Let's just say diversification is the key again. Um, you know, if let's say if you're bearish the USD and then you are risking 1% on, on the euro, 1% on the pound, and 1% on the gold, do you really think you're you are, you are just risking 1%? That highly correlated, you know, against short US dollar trades. If the US dollar turns out to be hawkish, I mean, the turn, turns out to be bullish with a hawkish Fed, you're going to lose 3% all through those trades. So what happens is like, you know, instead of risking all your, uh, let's say 1% or 2% um, on one trade, you diversify, like found different instruments to implement the same trading idea. Right, so if there was one thing you'd recommend that any retail trader spend the next month mastering, what would it be? Risk management. Righty-ho. Okay, and how could they go about mastering that? Um, well, I, I think you, you either have to uh, develop your own risk management system, depending on how you want to either stop loss uh, or just learn it from, um, from someone who's good at risk management. Okay, and just with all that information you're getting right, and so you're mm-hmm. trying to manage correlations and all this sort of stuff. I mean, how are you how are you how are you keeping track of this? So I'm guessing you've had trades that might be running for maybe a few days or even weeks, mm-hmm. and then you've obviously got new trades coming in. Is your how are you, how are you doing that? Are you using spreadsheets or is there some software that you've bought, or how does that work? Well, um, let's say I actually write down with my hand every single potential trade I'm going to take and then put down the rationale behind it. Why am I taking it fundamentally and technically? Um, as you write it down um, on a notebook every single day, I take notes like, you know, Monday to Friday, of course, trading day. And uh, that's, uh, that's just how I manage it. 
And what about for the trades that you've got running and that the risks on the table? I mean, how do you manage mm-hmm. the fact that you've got a new trade that, or maybe two trade potentials that you've got lined up? You've mm-hmm. got X number of percent on mm-hmm. the table here. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you've already got 2% of risk or mm-hmm. with a, you know, a potential risk. How do you Maximum then... Maximum exposure is 3%. Ah, let's say. right. So at any given time, the maximum exposure risk is really 3%. And then let's say, again, if you want to show the USD, we might do half a percent on euro, half a percent on gold, like longing them and to short the USD. You know what I mean? And then another 1% has to be uncorrelated. So three different uncorrelated positions for maximum exposure of 3%. And what's the maximum amount of trades you've had running at any one time? Oh, good question. I think five. Five, okay. Yeah. So so okay. So that's that's manageable. It's not like you've got fifteen trades and you're just like going, oh, what's going on here? You've got something manageable, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, we're going to jump into the quickfire round and uh, go through these questions here. So, how long did it take you to go from newbie to consistently profitable? Mm, two thousand seven to twenty four seven years. What's your favorite entry setup? Um, Fibonacci. What strategies do you use to exit or manage trades? Um, again, um, risk reward with a Fibonacci ratio. What's your recommended trading book or resource? Um, Jack D. Schwager's Market Wizard book series. Absolutely a must read for anyone who's serious about trading and money management. Uh, what's your preferred broker and trading platform? I love MT5 because I can monitor my um, positions anywhere, everywhere with the, with the mobile app. And um, that goes back to, you know, the question how you want to, uh, how I match all those positions. Hey folks, ever wonder what broker I use? Well, I use Hanko Trade. It was a no-brainer because I was looking for a broker with good trading conditions and one that wouldn't restrict my leverage. Now, by joining Hanko Trade, I've also cut down my trading costs significantly with their super low commission of just $1 per 100k. You can learn more at hankotrade.com or just click the link I've put in the description. Do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Sorry? Do you want to walk us through your worst ever trade? Worst ever trade. Uh, so before I became a professional manager, of course, the 75% loss, trying to revenge trading on oil. That was the worst ever. But as a uh, professional fund manager, and again, in 2019, I was uh, shorting the pound, saying in December, and I was, tra- I was trading the pound um, futures. So they have a 15-minute break. Not 24 hours. It was the pound futures. Uh, yeah, and then yeah. the pound gapped up 400 400 pips and I lost way more than 2% on that one trade. Oh. Because of the gap. Yeah, nothing worse than the gap. Man, a 15 minute gap, was it? Uh, So what happened is like um, ECT, European Central Time, 11 p.m., the market closed. And then right after that, Boris Johnson won the election and the pound was rallying. I was looking at the interbank market, the 24 hour market. The pound rallied from 131 to 134, like 300 pips in. Seconds, I should say, or, or let's say maximum minutes. And then when the futures market reopened of the pound, it gapped up to, um, you know, a few hundred pips. And then basically 100, 200 pips beyond my stop loss. And then that was a way, way, way more than I, you know, planned for. So yeah. best trade was the pound and worst trade was the pound as well. Yeah. Okay, now, last question. Um, if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, 
long-term trend line barely lies. Have a long-term view. If the one-hour and four-hour charts are starting to bother you, zoom out and look at the longer-term trend, and you'll feel more comfortable. And so you said there, I, I didn't quite get that. You said the long-term trend line is it barely lies? Did you is that what uh-huh. you said? the long-term trend line barely lie? Let's okay, say yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. barely have fake breakouts on a long-term trend line. Like you know, once okay. the the breakout, it's solid. Which is a chart I'm gonna you know I like to share on your YouTube channel as well. Okay, cool. Well, look, before we wrap up, what's the best way for the guys to get hold of you? Um, you know, as I mentioned, the Hedge Fund um, Secrets Uncensored, a training program, and, you know, I, I teach there twice a week. Just go to hfuncensored.com, and I even have, um, you know, uh, I even offer one-on-one consultation for anyone who's interested. Cool. Well, look, a big thank you to Lawrence for sharing with us today. Everything we've discussed here, along with all the links, are in the show notes. To find them, simply search for Lawrence in the search box on tradingnut.com. Until next time, I wish all my listeners trading happiness and success.